Hey everybody, welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. I'm John Burke, and with me from across the pond is Matt Hudson from whatiwatchtonight.co.uk. Matt, how are you doing this day? I am doing very well, you big old beast, John. Um, yeah, I can't mm. can't complain. Actually, I can complain. I've got a bit of a sore throat. Um, oh. For some reason, I didn't mention that off air, but it won't stop me from um, shouting and rattling through the next however long we're going to be talking about this film for, but I have my trusty cup of tea I have I tea say, running through my veins. You only had some hot beverage to to soothe that that throat of yours, but here it is um, here in my Ghostbusters mug. I have it right there. Uh, but how about you, sir? How are you keeping Florida safe and well? Well, Matt, it's important to note, and I just realized this probably should have been my uh, keeping it bloody awesome, but it's not. So I'm going to talk about it right now. Dunkin' Donuts has already brought back the pumpkin coffees. Yes. And the pumpkin donuts, but the pumpkin coffees are the key here. Like it's August folks. And I know some of you are thinking what pumpkin I'm thinking, thank goodness. We already have pumpkin. It has been with a, a treat multiple days this week. Um, except, except Matt, I, my favorite of their options. They have, uh, they've added a third pumpkin option this year, which I did not know until yesterday morning, but it's like they, it's pumpkin and hazelnut mixed together. God, um, yes. But they have, uh, they have their normal pumpkin spice latte. Last couple of years, they added the pumpkin cream cold brew, which is my preference. That's Your the thing favorite, I think is, yeah. is the best. Especially, I just like cold brew in general, but I particularly like the pumpkin cream cold brew. And then now this new pumpkin hazelnut thing, which I've not tried yet. Because again, I didn't know it was a thing until yesterday. But um, on Sunday, I stopped by a different Dunkin', a Dunkin' farther away, but it was on the way home from a, a movie I'll talk about in a little bit. And I ordered the pumpkin cream cold brew. And normally they will then ask, do you want to add cream and sugar to that? And I always say, no, thank you. I want it black with the pumpkin cream on the top. That's all I want. They did not ask, nor did I think about the fact that they did not ask. And I got up to the window and they hand me what looks like milk. Okay, with pumpkin here we cream go. Cold brew on it. And I am, I am a predominantly black coffee drinker. I might add a stevia or two to coffee, but I rarely add cream. And so... I'm, I'm looking at it and I'm instantly upset because I was super excited. If, if you see the picture on the window, it is the black cold brew with the pumpkin cream <laughs> on top. That is how it's default made. This guy did not ask, hands me what, again, even if I, the, if it was defaulted to add cream and sugar, there is way too much cream in this. There is no coffee in this beverage. I'm looking at milk with pumpkin cream and no. I'm just like, I am too nice to say anything and I do not. But I am mad, and I am mad the whole way home because it is it doesn't taste bad. It just doesn't taste like coffee, which is what I ordered. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that's what I wanted. Um, so the one bad experience so far, the only other bad experience I've had, so uh, which I, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, normally I complain that they don't have pumpkin donuts. I've also oh, noticed a bad that? trend. If you go in the afternoon, they seem like they're out of the pumpkin cream cold brew. They'll have the pumpkin spice latte, but for some reason, they don't have it. I don't know what happens uh, if this Duncan just is, doesn't want to make it or how it works. I don't know how it works. Like, I don't know if they get shipped the cold foam. Like, I've never watched the that part of it. But it is it is frustrating that it's, like, on the side of the, the store. And they're like, oh, we don't have that. And I understand p- places sell out. But it seems like they only sell out in the afternoon because if i go in the morning i have yet to have an issue with it but i have been told we're out in the afternoon and i don't last know if they're out year, cold said, they, they see you come in i said it last yeah. year they see you they see you pull up and they're like not this guy again we'll we'll, we'll tell him we've got none left so he keeps coming back every day just in yeah. the hopes it's there and you know it's very clever what they're doing john 
But instead, I just bought a regular cold brew from the store, and I've poured a cup for myself. So you have hot tea. I have cold brew with no pumpkin, but just a delicious cold brew. Um, I haven't heard the word pumpkin so much in my life. but um, It's a lot of pumpkin, and it's August. We haven't got it over here yet, but I have, um, without meaning to turn this into a a coffee cast, which it may as well be after time, I I had a chai latte the other day, which isn't Mm. something I usually get because it it sounds a bit elevated for me. But I tried, I like, I had it and I, cause everything in it is my jam. And I thought, I had, I was like, oh, this, this tastes a little bit like a pumpkin spice latte. So I've mm. been having that as a substitute until they roll it out. I don't think it's going to be very long. I reckon no, yeah. within the next 14 days, I think when we get into September, we'll have I would say here September too. 1st. It'll be yeah, over. Yeah, so. Like start, cause last I looked, Starbucks had not dropped the pumpkin yet, but I'm sure September 1st. Um, and I do want to give a quick shout out to uh, the movie club compadre, Corey, um, the day after Duncan dropped the pumpkin spice latte and I, I got my first one. I posted it on Instagram that I got one. Um, Corey sent me uh, a little gift card to get. So she's like, next pumpkin spice is on me. And I'm like, well, that was so sweet because, uh, you know, we live in very different states. So we're very far away from yeah. each other, but we're good friends. Uh, very, very grateful for the the little nod for like the extra. And I did use it immediately to buy another pumpkin uh, cream cold brew. But folks, as Matt point. said, we're not here to talk coffee. We're here to talk about Idris Elba's new film, Beast. Uh, <laughs> it's out in theaters everywhere right now. It is not. I was actually worried that maybe it got pushed back for you because I hadn't. We hadn't confirmed that it was all there. But it sounds like you saw the movie. Thank goodness. I have seen uh, we'd it. We'd be doing. Very different podcast. Um, <laughs> this movie is directed by, uh, I'm thinking it's Balthazar Cormacher. Uh, I'm going to go with that. I, it's got the accent over the A, which I can't remember if Ooh. that's like if that's like an E or not, but Balthazar Cormacher will do. Okay. Written by Ryan Engel. And then uh, Jamie Primick has, uh, Jamie Primick Sullivan has a story credit on IMDb. So I'm throwing him in there. Um, it's a pretty small cast. We have Idris Elba, Leah Jeffries, I. Ayana Haley, sorry, Shart. Oh, I always mess his name up. Shartley, Sharto, Shart, Charlto, Charltu, Copley. I totally Charlto. butchered that. Sharto. I don't see why it's toe because it's T O. There's no E. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not toe. Take that with South e. Africa. Okay, uh, and then Tafari. <laughs> ooh, Nayat Sanza. I think I, think I got that. that. That sounds right. Uh, I actually even had like some some uh, stank on the way I said it. Um, there's a couple of other people who there's like uh, younger versions and stuff like that that like are referenced, but I don't think we need to give. They're they're barely in the movie. There's a lot of extras in the film, but they're they're in it uh, quick and and painless. But the synopsis from IMDb.com: A father and his two teenage daughters find themselves hunted by a massive rogue lion, intent on proving that the savanna has but one apex predator. Uh, 69% Rotten Tomatoes uh, critic score, 76 with audiences. 54 meta score. So clearly critics, even if they were saying positive, they were saying lower on the score spectrum. 5.9 IMDb user score, which is kind of surprising that the audience score and the IMDb user score, I think this might be one of those movies where IMDb users were rating it bad before seeing it, um, which happens a lot on IMDb. Uh, and then, but a 2.8 on Letterboxd has a B cinema score though. So still like Nope only had a B cinema score. So hmm. not saying okay. this is on the same level as Nope. I'm just saying like it, you know, the audiences were kind of connecting to these similarly, at least as the, the cinema score goes. So Matt, I'm going to tell another aside, but it's related to beast. Um, I walked, I, I went and saw this on a Thursday pre-screening, uh, not a critic screening, just like, you know, 
Thursday nights they they show the films. And yep. my theater sometimes does it really early. We had a five o'clock screening for Beast. So I went to the five o'clock screening. I'm like, cool. Now our theater, which normally doesn't get anime stuff, actually had the new Dragon Ball Super Superhero movie. That's the full title. Dragon Dragon Ball Super Superhero. Um, playing at my theater. So I walk up to the register because our concession stand is also where we get the tickets now. And I'm walking up there and she goes, you here to see Dragon Ball? I think to myself, I must look like I am an anime person. I am not. (laughs) And my response to her question, she says, are you here to see Dragon Ball? I said, no, ma'am. I'm here to see Idris Elba punch a lion. And folks, that was the, my favorite interaction I've ever got to have with a movie ticket uh, exchange because i don't think i've ever got to say those words in that order ever but also i was not disappointed folks i really enjoyed beast i thought beast was a lot of fun i love that it's 90 minutes i love that it's clearly paying homage to jurassic park and also cujo there's a lot of cujo in this movie mm-hmm. except instead of a rabid dog and the people are trapped in the car still it's a lion so being a fan of this type of like animal hunting stuff and also being a huge fan of Idris Elba, I had a blast watching this film. I thought it was exactly what the premise offered. I think there's enough family drama that it's not overdone. It never feels like, you know, melodramatic, but it's there that you get why there's tension. You understand what all of this represents. Um, the setup payoff of the, of the world that we're building and establishing is all, you know, pretty basic, good structured story. Nothing crazy. Um, it's, it's, I don't feel like the film's going to surprise you very much. Uh, and then Shartley Cope, Shart, mm, Copley, <laughs> who I've seen in several other movies. I don't always like him. Sometimes he seems like he's in a different movie than the rest of the cast. Uh, I think he does really well in this. I actually liked him a lot in this and he gets one of the coolest scenes in the film. I think, um, the, the one complaint I think someone might have is the CG. Uh, I, I do okay. think the CG is not great. But on another note, I've seen some high-budget Marvel movies where the CG is not great. So for a lower-budget kind of straightforward film, I was pretty forgiving with the look of the lion in those moments. I thought overall it looked fine. It, it never looked like a real lion. Like I think if you watch the live-action, quote-unquote live-action Lion King, the John Favreau Lion King, those lions look real yeah but in a bad way like it, it didn't fit the movie that they were doing i wish we could have got that photorealistic look in this film but i thought it worked um there's some pretty intense scenes i i i thought this movie was a, a great thrill ride and i had a i had a blast watching it so i was it, it did exactly what i was wanting it to do um i didn't feel like there was any real fat that needed to be cut off again 90 minutes is pretty exactly what i think this should be it probably could have got away with 80 minutes like i think there's a couple of scenes that maybe drag a little bit um i thought it did a good job not finding redundancy which i think a lot of times when you're building a suspense thriller where we're just kind of waiting for things to happen it can start to feel like okay we're just doing the same thing again i thought they they moved in a way that felt natural and organic to the story that that worked so for me this was a win like again i don't think it's a masterpiece but I thought it was a lot of fun, especially for an August summer release. This is exactly what I'm looking for. Something that's going to give me that adventure, the thrill, give me solid performances and uh, something to enjoy for the 90 minutes that I'm in the theater. Um, I hope, though, Max, I have no idea how this movie clicked for you, um, that you also enjoyed Beast. What were your thoughts? Well, this is the beauty of the BAMP is very, well, I say very rarely, 
never really, sometimes, always do we uh, tell each other what we thought about the film for the surprise on the show. Uh, so again, I had no idea that John enjoyed the film. Uh, I actually came out of my pre-screening of this thinking, I don't think John's going to vibe with this. Genuinely did. Um, mm. I thought I didn't. I, I couldn't. I couldn't put my finger on why, but I thought I'm not sure John's going to like this. Um, I I agree with fifty percent of what you say. Um, for the most part, I think I like the fact that it's ninety minutes. I think that does the story a massive service because you know it, it is what it is. Like you said, it's a very thin narrative, which I don't mind in this case. It is literally mm-hmm. what the synopsis says. There are subplots as to why they're there and. Uh, other factions come into play during it but i think you know something like an august blockbuster sorry sorry, not a blockbuster an august popcorn flick this is exactly what you're going in for you know idris elba fighting a lion you know it it is that is what it is um but i wasn't a huge fan of the film though john it didn't grab me because i wasn't really interested in the characters and part of that comes down to they somehow managed to make idris elba unengaging i don't think i think this is his weakest performance in a long time despite obviously what the film is going for we're not it's not um the heart of a fall or something kind of um, seriousness here but i just i wasn't a huge fan of idris in this film um Mm. and the the subplot with the daughters and the familial aspect of the film i felt a bit melodramatic and it also felt a bit redundant given that they're stuck with a murderous carnival after them. I thought, you know, some things can probably wait until you see whether you survive or not, rather than dying in regret because you said the wrong thing at the wrong time to somebody. Um, mm. it, you know, it, it's B-movie schlock, which isn't a bad thing. And I, I didn't mind that. Do you know what I mean? Like the, one of the best scenes, the, the best scenes in the film involved said lion, you know, doing, doing his thing. You know, they, yeah. they were good to watch. There was lots, there's lots of blood in this film, lots of slashing, lots of, gore uh well you know lots of graphic imagery for those who don't really like you know a lot what happens when a lion slashes you across the chest um but it's short enough to breeze by and be inoffensive and i th- but i think ha- this is a very lean summer had there been more options at the box office i think this would have been an amazon prime original immediately i think they would have put it straight onto prime because it has that feeling to me yes it's we're talking about october sorry august popcorn flicks i've got pumpkin on my mind august popcorn flicks but i don't know this just feels more like a streaming film now it, you know this is the way of film i know matt damon was recently talking about it on the um hot wings challenge but you know there seems to be this new way that streaming has taken over film and i've mentioned on this show many times that there are some films now which just feel like a streaming film which isn't meant to be negative i genuinely mean that i think you can get more of an audience on streaming and i think this is one of them but um yeah it's got some good moments in it It, the screenplay you know the, the script is is not very good is it for me i don't think it was you know there's cliches of conventions there's plenty of moments where uh somebody will say you know look stay inside the car okay 30 seconds later, what are you doing outside the car? You know, and oh my gosh, there's going to be a lion out there somewhere. Do you know what it needed for me? It really needed more moments of silence. No talking, no melodrama, silence and tension to really mm. work rather than kind of bickering and substandard dialogue. I wish we'd had more of the silence, more of the, you know, the hunting and the hunter being the hunted and the prey kind of thing. Because so I think this actually could have been really solid for me. Had it be had it lent more into that thriller side of it 
rather than the kind of the melodrama. But I, I didn't I didn't hate the film. It, 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 the, when it was fun, it was fun. But the subplots and the and the negatives did outweigh the positives for me, despite going in, you know, not expecting the world. But I didn't dislike this film, uh, JB. But it didn't. I wanted it to be something. Maybe it wasn't. I I, I thought it was going to be more of a that, that a thriller. You know, like, like I don't know. I can't compare it to something at the minute, but a thriller. But it wasn't. But that said, I'm glad you had a good time with it, my friend. Well, one thing I really was impressed with. Um... And impressed might be strong, but I, I liked the cinematography in the film. I thought there was a lot of long Fantastic. takes where we were following characters around. And I was I was not expecting that. I actually was expecting a lot more cuts. Um, the African Plains and- looked fantastic. Uh, Philip, Philip Rousselet, Rousselet, sorry, he was the cinematographer. He did the, the uh, Fantastic Beast films, the Nice Guys, and mm. loads and loads of other films. Yeah, I, I really like the use of the long takes. Um, there's nothing, I never thought it was too excessive. Uh, it was mostly just like following a character and, and good, you know, framing of, of shots. Yeah. Like there's a scene where you see the lion in the background and like, they don't know that it's there yet. So there's tension there. Um, I don't disagree that the tension could have been, uh, you know, beleaguered more, but it's, it's in the way of, um, I mean, she, at one point the girls were literally wearing a Jurassic park tank top. So like they're calling their shot. They're like, we're going mm-hmm. for some Jurassic park vibes, especially specifically, the T-Rex is like, if you cut all of the other storylines out of Jurassic Park and just do the Alan Grant in the car with the two kids, that's what this movie is going for. Is that like that sequence? Uh, you get Charlie Copley a little bit, but overall it is, it's the, you know, dad and two kids. Like that's the premise yeah. that they're going on for the book. Light, of it. Isn't it? Take change the T-Rex for a Raptor maybe. Um, yeah. And I think, yeah, yeah, it is kind of like a diluted, Jurassic Park they're going for which I'm not gonna um yeah have a go at them for doing that but I just wish no. Jurassic Park though had those moments of tension and atmosphere yeah well but where it's more Cujo-esque is Cujo mm. uh, a good bulk of that film is to a parent and the kids trapped in the car with the dog you know circling in the outside and there are times where you don't know where the dog is and they think it's safe and then it's not safe you get a lot of that here too so I, I do feel like those two movies are the clear influence and obviously there's probably a hundred other b movies that even fit more into the framing of what they're doing here um i i did i don't know i might be too willing to accept characters and they the fact that they they felt lived in to me even though yes they're they're constantly spouting out details to make us feel like they've had a life outside of this one sequence that we're watching um and that's usually a a bad uh, a thing that bothers me and for some reason with this it, it didn't maybe because i knew what i was getting um mm-hmm. and i was just maybe willing like i want to see him punch a lion and we got there and so you know i was just like yes it succeeded um definitely didn't have high expectations for this film uh, and i still think this is better than idris's uh dark tower summer august yeah. release a few years ago so you know when your bar's low you're happy with what you get you know what i'm saying can't argue with that and yeah most things are better than the dark tower but yeah no um it, it was for me it was it was a passable entertainment it's 90 minutes long that is a huge positive for the film so if, if you just want to see idris uh, punch a line in a Jurassic Park light um, affair, then hopefully you won't be disappointed. Yeah. And I mean, there are some other small releases. The big, uh, surprisingly, box office wise, Dragon Ball Super has been doing really well at the box office. Um, I actually, we'll talk about that in a minute, but uh, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies got a wider release this weekend. So we could have maybe done that one. I don't know if it's actually playing for you yet, to be honest. Um, 
Uh, no, I got my link last week, and spoilers ah. for media consumption. I uh, I didn't get around to watching it. I was going to go and watch a um, advanced screening tonight, but I also ah. forgot about that. And also oh. for everybody listening, Bamp comes first. Um, yeah. But I'm going to go I mean, and see Bodies, 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 or sorry, watch it during the week. But um, but here we are talking Beast uh, instead. So that's it. That's our review. Um, I think Matt and I actually are very similar. I think we're both saying it's middling. I just I'm on like the positive side of the line a little more than you. Would you uh, for Rotten Tomato purposes? Are you oh. going fresh or rotten? Ooh. See, I, I, I got to have to go with my gut when I say that the negatives outweigh the positives. So I think I would have to give it a thumbs down or the old squash tomato, but it wouldn't be a overly scathing review because I think, like you say, we're both on the same wavelength, but I would be positive. I would yeah. be fresh for sure. So like, we're like, we're wavering around the same area. Like I think I had enough fun where I, I, I didn't even really acknowledge a lot of the bad. I was just kind of focused on the good again, even right away. I was just like, Oh man, I really like the cinematography here. I mean, I'm, I'm happy that they're, they're doing some fun tracking shots and we're not just, you know, cutting all over the place that we're following yeah. the action. Um, and in spoilers, I will also talk about one thing that I thought was really smart with the story um, that that kind of got like a physical reaction out of me when it happened. But I don't want to talk here. There's not a lot to spoil in this movie, really. That's why I'm going to save this. I don't I think normally I wouldn't even consider this a spoiler, but because there's so little plot, I don't think it's I think I have to save it for the spoiler talk. So if you want to know what I'm talking about, tune in for our spoiler bonus episode that's included right now with our feed. But let's move on from our review of Beast to Chopped Headlines. These are movie or pop culture news that caught our attention. Uh, Matt, what got your eye, uh, you know, thinking and wondering and watering? I had no, I don't know what I was going there. Let's uh, what headline were you interested in, sir? <laughs> well, John Burke always gets the eyes wandering. But uh, for this week, I have gone for a film we were speaking about off air earlier on, actually. Um but it's to do with Knives Out 2 or Glass Onion, the Knives Out mystery. This is an article by Adam Bentz and the headline reads Knives Out 2 casting process described by director with an apt metaphor. So what I, you're wanting to know what the apt metaphor is. So I'll go straight down to it. Uh, Ryan Johnson, of course, is the director. He, he described his casting approach as throwing a dinner party. Uh, as he simply opted for actors he liked and hoped they meshed well together. He says you try and invite people that you like, but the reality is you never know. At the end of the day, just trying to get the best actors in each part, the actors that are most right for each individual part. So you also just throw the dice and hold your breath. Luckily, we've got a great group that really meshed. Um, so the the genius casting behind the Knives Out films is a throw of the dice, but that's no surprise. I mean, the casting director can only do so much. Yes, we love the fact that these are superbly talented casts, but it doesn't mean they're going to be any good together. Knives Out had such a great and diverse range in their cast, and it worked. It really did work. I'm hoping Glass Onion does, but that that's the throw of the dice you have of any film. But I love the fact that Ryan is just so open about it, where he's like, well, I picked the right people for the part, but let, but who knows how well they're going to work together. And it's nice to hear him say, they really worked well together on this film, though. I wouldn't expect you to say any less. Um, the film is due to come out, I think it's in the holiday season, Netflix have said, but we have no release date and the holiday season isn't far off. We have no real uh, poster. We have no real 
synopsis uh, per se. We don't have any trailers or any real key art to speak about. This is what John and myself were talking about earlier. Netflix's terrible marketing strikes again. We are four months out, potentially, or three months out. The last one was uh, released in November of 2019. Um, but we're three months out, potentially, from a follow-up to one of the best films of the year that it came out. It was Oscar-nominated for its screenplay, and we know nothing about it. And this isn't a case of, you know, the Star Wars mystery box. Oh, we no spoilers. It's I don't think Netflix know how to market their films. The, the Glass Onion um, social media account and Ryan Johnson are posting pictures here and there of the actors together on set or a scene from the film with his with the ensemble cast but nothing from Netflix uh, so it's going to get it's also going to get weird having to keep saying glass onion rather than knives out too but um, nothing really exciting necessarily about the headline I just found it uh, interesting to hear the director kind of be honest and say look we've got to throw the dice and you know we don't know if it's going to work till we get on set uh, i like the honesty of ryan johnson but Gla- uh, glass signing as well my friend i'm very much looking forward to this uh follow-up to knives out what do you think of them my friend of that um apt metaphor and how excited are you for glass onion i mean it's very appropriate and i am uh, i'm very excited for it um i've liked most of uh, ryan johnson or reen johnson's films i've yet to see i think brothers bloom is the last one on my list um, decent it's good but you know i'm a big fan of looper uh i i'm a huge last jedi supporter um and uh i love brick actually i always i almost forgot about brick there for a second but yeah. um and I love Knives Out. Like Knives Out blew me away how much I had a blast watching that movie. I really need to go back to it. It's been a minute since I've watched it last. And um, I'm, a, I'm much more versed with uh, both Anna de Armas and Daniel Craig at this point. I've seen more of their films. Um, and obviously that cast was star-studded before. I'm excited to see uh, Craig return to that role. I do think um, – I saw somewhere – I think the official date did drop for December, though, uh, as the, the Netflix release. I can't find – where i saw that but i swear like after we were talking about it like it popped up on my instagram somewhere um so i think it's like december i don't think it's the 23rd but that date's popping in my head right now but i don't think that's right but i think it's it's officially coming out in december on netflix but it'll be at some some festivals i forget which ones but it's at some of the major festivals um i think it's at tiff i think yeah which you know we might know someone who might get to see it early so we might have an idea of what it's like but Um, but yeah, I'm all in. I do. I really wish Netflix would market stuff like this because I, I bet you there are people who have no clue that this is coming to Netflix, you know, that, and it's not, I'm still a little disappointed that we're probably not going to get any kind of theatrical release where I'm at. There are some Netflix things and it just being at a festival, it's going to have Oscar eligibility. Will it get any award nods? Who knows? It, it will depend this. I don't remember how well Knives Out was received by the, uh, the Oscars, but I don't feel like it. No, it got much. that. It got the uh, original screenplay nomination. Yeah, um, I don't know if it got any more below the line uh, nods, but I, but I mean the screenplay one is um, yeah, nothing to be sniffed at. It's a good one. Yeah. No, and and well deserved because it's 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 very very well structured. Um, it, it's a good throwback to the the whodunit you know genre that we ha- had been missing. Uh, you know, good examples of. We have some really bad examples of the whodunit uh, genre. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for it. Sweet. My headline is far less sev- uh, severe, but I thought it was appropriate um, and wild because my favorite movie 
is It's a Wonderful Life. I, I love that film yeah. so, so much. Um, I constantly have to argue that it is not exclusively a Christmas film. I think it's great to watch at Christmas because I think it has the Christmas spirit all over it. But it's more than just a Christmas film in my eyes. You can watch it anytime. But the last living actress from the film passed away. Uh, Virginia Patton died at age of 97. So no more. Everyone, when you watch It's a Wonderful Life, everyone on screen has passed away. Um, according to this article, at least. Um, and Virginia Patton plays uh, Harry Bailey, uh, who is George Bailey, James Stewart's character's brother. When he comes yep. back from the war, he's married. And Virginia Patton plays the wife. Um, and her big scene is getting off the train, meeting George and George's, you know, throne because they weren't expecting a wife. They didn't know that was the big surprise Harry was bringing. And she's, she orders some popcorn from a little cart. And uh, the actress was concerned because Frank Capra had her wearing white gloves. And she's like, um, how is she supposed to eat popcorn wearing these gloves? This is mm-hmm. the story that the article tells. And I just thought it was a cute story. Um, it's a, it's a, it's sad. She, but 97 is a long, great life. So huge bucket of win to quote uh, Hollywood Babylon there. Um, but it, it's, it's a crazy stat that like a movie that I watch every year. Now, when I watch it, all those people have passed, like they're all gone. So it's li- now just this, you know, this living document of, of these people's lives that this, they, they existed at one point. They're no longer with us, but here they are as young people um, living the dream. And I think that's like, obviously there's tons of movies that that qualifies for, but it's, it's, you know, it's always kind of, I think it's a good reminder of our, uh, how short our lives are that like, you know, when you commit to being an actor, you get to live forever in an interesting way. Yeah. You know, you're always going to be represented as you were at that moment. Um, and when someone, when this kind of interesting fact, in my opinion, pops up, I thought it was worth our discussion. So um, I, I, I don't know if we've ever really talked about It's a Wonderful Life. Is that a, a, a movie you love, like like me? I really like It's a Wonderful Life. I am guilty of watching it more so at Christmas than any time of the mm-hmm. year because of, like you said, it is yeah. it is firmly in the camp of a Christmas movie, but it can be viewed at any point during the year, and it's as good a film as any you're ever going to see. But um, like we we always say on movie astrology, you know, the, the talent may eventually pass, but the legacy will always remain. And Virginia Patton is a uh, is very much part of that statement now. Uh, with, with the rest of the cast, like you say, sadly passed away now, the film does become a living. Uh, legacy for them and it's always sad when um when an actor or actress passes away especially one who's in a who is in a beloved film and one that you and i uh enjoy individually and mutually as well and uh, virginia Patton she didn't have the biggest filmography that it's a wonderful life was her standout role but it's not a bad legacy to leave behind is it jb and 97 is no way. 97 is a hell of an inning so um it's mm-hmm. whilst it's very sad news and it always will be We'll always have that film to look back on. Now, like you say, we can cherish that performance because it's never going anywhere. Yep, exactly. So just a light story this week. I mean, I guess I guess any story about death isn't light naturally. But again, 97, like that's what I'm striving to hit 97. Like I'm hoping that I can make it there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that that's it for our headlines this week. Let's move on to media consumption. This is movies, TV, video games, music, podcasts, etc. that we use to pass the time between recordings. Matt, uh, what have you been consuming? Uh, I have been consuming a few things, John. I listened to the Jared Carmichael episode of the Mark Marone WTF podcast today. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like that show for the most part. 
Um, I, I like Mark Marone, and even though he has tendencies which sometimes annoy me on air, but um, yes, I've listened. To, I listened to the Nightmare on Film Street podcast where they spoke about. Uh, I can't remember what the film was called now, but I'll remember it. It wasn't called Prey because I hadn't seen that. Uh, it will come to me shortly, but I listened to their most recent episode. I listened to the Dead Meat podcast where they spoke about Prey and Nope, and they were slightly more up on Nope than I was. Um, I haven't really watched many films again because the last week uh, I had my daughter all last week and I took her back late. Well, so for me and for her, she's only a little late Sunday night. And uh, John will know when you've got a youngster, sometimes by the time you put them down to bed, you slump on the sofa and I mean, I want to, I just put going to put the telly on. I'm just going to flick through YouTube and just unwind. So um, I only watched one film other than Beast. Again, I would have seen more like Bodies, Bodies, Bodies and uh, Breaking, but I haven't had the chance yet. But I watched Not Okay, the uh, 20th century studio film on Disney Plus and the, the new film from Quinn Shepard. And I thought it was, I thought it was very ropey. I wasn't a particularly big fan of it. Uh, I was very, I was very surprised. So the disclaimer that came before that, you know, the film featured uh, moments that could trigger some, some trigger moments, but also an unlikable female protagonist was one of the oh, trigger wow. warnings. And I thought that was very, very odd. I even took a picture of it to send to you, but I forgot. But um, I just didn't think it was snappy enough for what no. it tried to be. I didn't think it was satirical enough for what it was trying to be, or or um strong enough the, i didn't think the material was strong enough I, I knew i could see what queen shepherd was going for i liked her last film blame but this felt like the kind of the sharpness the sat- satire that pizzazz wasn't quite here in, in this film so wasn't a huge fan of not okay uh the film for me uh, was just okay. uh for the listeners not okay is uh in the states is on hulu instead of hulu Plus. yes sorry i forget that um hulu is a international uh, concept to me but yeah it's yeah. It's on Disney Plus slash Stars, Star, sorry, in the UK, which is, by all intents and purposes, pretty much our Hulu. Um, mm. I watched the director and the Jedi feature-length documentary. Uh, speaking of Ryan Johnson and The Last Jedi, that was the fantastic behind-the-scenes warts and all, fly-on-the-wall documentary that was released uh, or with the home release of The Last Jedi. We covered it on Star Wars Sessions this week because I put up a post about The Last Jedi. I... Uh, had a grenade in my hand I pulled the pin and I threw it into the social media verse and ran away and you can only imagine what some of the comments about that film were when we asked yeah what's your favorite moment of The Last Jedi lots of angry people who don't like that film Um, so I thought well I, you know I want to watch how that film was made again and the passion and the trials and tribulations of that film filmmaking uh, that production and the director and the Jedi who haven't seen it it's fantastic, not just as a Star Wars documentary, because it's not necessarily about the IP. It's more about how they made the film. It's more about Mark Hamill struggling to come to terms with the role he's been asked to do. It's about to an indie director, an indie producer having a massive budget and trying to reconcile just what they've got to do. They've got to build 120 sets. and this is a, it's, it's a really, really, really interesting look behind the curtain, and I would absolutely recommend it to... Any film fans, really, because we don't often get particularly good behind-the-scenes documentaries uh, that have any substance or kind of length to them either. So the director and the Jedi, I watched that. And I also um, sat down and watched She-Hulk, um, Attorney at Law, the first episode. Um, I went in not having enjoyed the trailers very much. And uh, Miss Marvel, I thought, was pretty good. Uh, it was fine. Uh, she, the first episode of She-Hulk didn't resonate with me. I didn't... I, 
I don't know what it is. I don't know if I just wish that the shows had a little bit more meat on the bones. And I get the I get the Marvel way is you know a levity. They want it to be more jovial when they want it to be accessible for most. That's not to say there isn't there aren't heavy themes or anything being dealt with because there are. But there are times when I wish they just tone back on those the gags or the need to say something and you know put a bit more thought into what it is they're trying to say um and especially with these shorter episodes and shorter um seasons I kind of feel like they have to just kind of blast through it but well um, i don't know did- if you know uh she hulk's actually one of their longest series it's, i think it's scheduled for nine episodes um i remember I, I, i'm not saying i prefer the days of like 20 episodes so i think looking yeah. back that's overkill i just wish there'd be you know three more like just around 12 and i say that for star wars as well uh, Mando's got eight. Just oh, I don't know. I, you know, maybe two, sometimes I think two or three more might just help the story. Obi Wan needed two more episodes um, mm-hmm. to really make that feel like required viewing. I loved it, but you know, looking back at it, it you know, what was it? Was it vital? No. And She Hulk at the minute, I don't know. It's it felt like you know the and i know that the screenplay has had a lot of criticism because it's very marked and it's not very subtle and i i understood that like watching it i thought you know they're, they're concentrating on the wrong things here or they're trying to put out their messages and it feels sloppily done for me nothing against tatiana maslany i think she's a great actress period you know, just and it just she's great and she's good in the role you know she's fine it, but there's something about it I didn't click on the first episode, but I'm not one to quit. I'll watch the next one and I'll watch the next one and I'll carry on watching it. And I hope it works for me in the next episode. But uh, I know you've watched that as well, John, but what you been checking yep. out this week? Well, uh, since we're on She-Hulk, uh, I, I, I also didn't love it. Um, I didn't have a lot of major complaints. I just, it did feel um, this episode specifically felt a little superfluous. Like mm-hmm. I get we're building into something, but it also, and they even tried to like skip over the origin story, um, and it still like felt excess. There, I didn't have the issue um, with with the on the no stuff because I do think sometimes subtlety just doesn't work. Um, we've seen, uh, you know, like I think the Wachowskis are, are a great example. Um, they were subtle with some of their point of view in the matrix and those things were twisted and, and, and interpreted incorrectly by some people that they don't agree with their philosophies. And so like they, they, they just went for, this is what we're trying to say. And so sometimes subtlety's the wrong call, but overall I thought it was kind of fun. It, like you said, it's, it is definitely leaning into the levity. I'm okay with that for Marvel. Um, I don't need everything to be dour either. And so like some of my favorite Marvel stuff has been the lighter stuff, mm-hmm. but you might be right. Maybe they're, they're taking it too light uh, collectively, but like you said, um, it's only episode one and important oh, yeah. to note. I think every other Marvel series has been six episodes. So for this is where oh, we're yeah. starting to see the branch and to look forward. I think uh, we've heard that daredevil is supposed to be 18 episodes. Um, when we get that. One, yeah. Uh, and, and yeah. On She-Hulk as well. Like, you know me, I haven't read the comics and, and I'm Same. also the one who says this isn't the comics, but apparently the tone of the, those particular comics are fairly lighthearted for the most part. So yes, there's that argument, but I also have been critical uh, guilty of saying, you know, the films or the series and the comics are two separate universes, but there's nothing yeah. wrong with taking inspiration. So it may be that they're just lifting the tone of the 
you know, the well-established and the legacy of the character from the comics and saying, well, let's put it in a series, which in which case, cool. You know, I look forward to the next episode. Yeah, I have access to a few of the episodes ahead of time. I just haven't had the time to dive into them. So um, I, I should have already seen like the first four or so, and I, I haven't. Uh, but I've heard that it gets better from some other friends who have been able to watch them. Um, okay. So, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. But uh, as per usual, I've listened to the Blank Check podcast. Um, they they finally made me uh, dive into the the more Bonds. Uh, they are starting the Patreon episodes or where they did the Live and Let mm-hmm. Die um, so I watched that uh, in preparation for the commentary episode. Um, I I don't think the Bond franchise outside of the Craig is for me, uh, which is funny. I, I I liked the idea of Bond, like I love the idea of the gadgets and stuff. I just I don't know the tone. I feel like the Craig tone is more my vibe. Like I like the serious kind of everything is stressful tone. It's got more of the Mission Impossible ghost protocol past vibe you know and that works for me more for some reason where i i like silly and campy um the fun thing though is i've seen all the austin powers movies and seeing like where (laughs) some of those scenes are pulled from is wild because like there are things like where i'm like oh wow there really were sharks like i just thought Mm -hmm. the sharks with freaking laser beams was a powers joke (laughs) but no like there's a lair with sharks in it in this movie and i'm like really okay parody in that yeah, apparently the the a lot of the powers films are directly ripping off the more bond. So I'm I'm kind of excited to watch the rest of them for that reason, so that I can make the connections from Austin Powers, um, because I've seen those movies way too many times. Like all three of them, I've seen multiple times. Some um, of them are questionable. Some of the more films become questionable. Uh, looking back on them, I have certain things which do not I, hold up. As do the right out the gate. This one is is ref like riffing on uh, the black exploitation genre. Um, which yes. that part's done fairly well, but there is a uh, a sheriff in Louisiana that has way too much screen time in this movie. Like he comes out of nowhere, and then he's just like in the movie, and he's like the epitome of stereotype, like sheriffs of that time, and it's really like out of place, and it does not make sense. Um, it was released at the height of the black black exploitation era. I remember mm-hmm. we did that on astrology and. That was the one, one of the ones I watched. I think it was a, that was the number one movie of the year, and I remember saying the same thing that the the black exploitation area surprisingly wasn't done like distastefully or anything like that. Yeah, but the rest of the film is yeah. And uh, Yafet Kodo is is fantastic as the as the always. big bad in that movie. Um, yes. Now, um, in uh, I went and saw Dragon Ball Super colon superhero. Uh, I am not a big fan of the Dragon Ball franchise, nor am I like not a fan. I just haven't really watched a lot of it. When I was in college back in 2000, Dragon Ball Z was on Cartoon Network, and I tried to watch it because everyone always talked about it. And I found it to be very tedious where like a character would start like, I know it's not called a fireball in the Dragon Ball universe, but I'm going to call it a fireball. He'd start to like throw a fireball and it would take like five episodes and we're still in him like charging the fireball. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> And I'm, I don't, I've, for a while, I thought maybe I was exaggerating, but having said that to many people, like, yeah, they did that. And it was partly because the animation it was so hard to like animate fighting because it's a lot, right? So like they would just stretch it out. And now they don't have that problem. Like, so the modern animation, they're able to do like the fights and they they look pretty great. Um, although I've heard that the animation on this particular film, a lot of the fans are not down with, especially compared to the last one. Mm-hmm. But 
I also, I don't think I understand the tone that Dragon Ball is going for. Like in my head, it's like this serious martial art thing. And then I'm watching it and there's like weird jokes and things. I'm like, maybe I misunderstood what this show is. Um, th- th- my biggest complaint though, is a lot of Dragon Ball seems to be a character telling the audience what another character is doing or like why another character is strong or like, just open narration, like in really big exposition dumps that I feel is, is lazy. And that was, that kind of bugged me. Um, but the other people in my auditorium who were definitely Dragon Ball fans, they seemed to enjoy it. Even the stuff that they didn't like, but there was a lot of moments where they broke out in the cheers or like a character would show up on screen and they would lose their mind. And I'm sitting there like, I don't know why that matters, but cool. You know, I definitely felt like an outsider and I was, uh, cause I do not know all the history. I know a lot of the characters, like I know Piccolo and I know Goku and I know Gohan. Um, and Piccolo's kind of the lead, so I kind of enjoyed it. But I, I got to say, I, by the end, I kind of just like let go of my normal like expectations and just kind of took it for what it was. And it wasn't terrible. I, I didn't like dislike it, but I also I don't feel compelled to like dive into Dragon Ball after watching it. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm like I'm good. Yeah, yeah. Watch the one. Moving on. Um, the fun thing for me this weekend, uh, Matt. Uh, and this doesn't usually happen. Usually, I go see a movie with my wife because I have dragged her to the movie or. Um, maybe she's like, yeah, I'll go see that. And I'm usually the one that handles everything. But during the week last week, my wife found out that Greece was going to be playing at our, uh, an AMC that's like 45 minutes away from here. Um, and she was super excited. So she, she immediately bought the tickets. She never does that. I'm usually the one who buys the tickets on the app or whatever. Cause I have all the apps on my phone. I do everything movies. So she buys the tickets to go see Greece. Um, we drive up there. We, we check in we're walking to the auditorium and I'm like, well, let's get our seats and I'll go get the popcorn and soda because the, this theater has like two entrances and one side is meant for like, uh, they have like a dine in situation where yeah. like they bring you food and the other half is not. And that we were in the other half. So the concession stand was like on the other side. So as I say that, like we'll get seats and I'll go get popcorn. She goes, Oh, we already have seats. I'm like, Oh yeah. Duh. This theater has a uh, reserved seating. I forgot about that. Cause I hadn't been to this one in a while. So I pull up the tickets and I'm like, our seats are A8 and A9. Did you did you get us front row seats? And she's like, no, it's the back row. I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's not the back row. I'm pretty sure it's the front row. So we walk in, and sure enough, yeah, usually, right? Her To her defense, I understand. And again, she was super excited. She doesn't usually buy the tickets. She just grabbed two seats she thought was the back row. Front row. We are dead center front row. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no. And I see on her face, she is unhappy that she's going to be very very miserable so i'm like okay well take a seat i'll go get popcorn and unlike myself i usually don't like to bother people as i earlier told the story about duncan where they gave me the wrong coffee and i just took it anyways instead of complaining that this isn't what i want um i usually am like that i don't like to bother other people it's our mistake we'll deal with it right like that's my attitude but I decide on a whim because, again, I saw on her face how unhappy and I knew how much this movie means to her. So I asked the guy at the ticket thing. I'm like, hey, is it possible for us to switch seats? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go uh, go up to the desk. Uh, they'll do like a refund and then buy you new seats. So we're going through the process. The woman's, you know, doing the refund, doing the refund. We're like 20 minutes early. So like I'm not even sweating the time. She's already in the theater. I'm going to get the popcorn. Plenty of time. The woman does the refund, goes to buy, the, goes to sell us the, the, the new seats. And she I hear her go, uh-oh. Oh no! And I look down at the screen, and it's almost only the front rows that are open. And luckily, there are two seats together on row H, so like in the middle of the theater, perfect. I'm like, great. Oh, we got lucky. But she, she also saw there was like nothing left. 
but we get these two new seats. I text Kathy. I'm like, hey, go ahead and move to H8 and H9. We, they, we got new seats. Um, I go and get the popcorn. She's excited that we're not in the front row. Because, again, we would have been, like, looking up at John Travolta's crotch. Like, it would have been a very uncomfortable location to have to look up at. 1970s Travolta crotch, though. Fair point. But still, like, not not – you don't see the whole screen from that seat. Oh, you know what I'm saying? You're looking at one spot. That's what you get. And – um. I have seen Grease before, for sure. And it, I've often said it's not a movie that I love. But? But, as I have often argued, seeing a movie in the in the theater changes one's perspective. I've mm-hmm. never seen Grease on the big screen. I've never seen it in a theater. And I realized watching this, I don't think I've ever really sat and watched it before. I've had it, I've been in the room when it's on. But Even I don't think I ever committed to watching it. Um, And I enjoyed it a lot. I do have some narrative issues with the movie. Uh, I think there's a, they, they, and they imply there's a history with Rizzo and Danny that then they drop halfway through the movie and they yeah. bring Chacha in for no reason. Um, not that I'm fine with Chacha. If you want to make Chacha the uh, the the love temptress that's going to make Sandy jealous, fine. Then do that through the whole movie, or do what you set up and put Rizzo at the dance. That Rizzo and Danny win the dance competition, not Chacha and Danny, makes a much more dramatic thing. But that also wrecks the Kaniki storyline, which I think is great. I love Riz- Rizzo. Rizzo's my favorite character mm-hmm. easily in that movie. Um, I think it's, it's a lot of fun, though. Definitely my opinion of Grease went up a couple of notches nice. after seeing it on the big screen. So that was exciting for me. Um, Did you yeah, that come was... out of the cinema and say, John, you're the one that I want? You're the one that I want? Yes. And uh, the, this was one of the most packed screenings I've been to since COVID. Wow. Um, it was a smaller auditorium, but people came out in droves for two reasons. One, Olivia Newton-John died recently. So people are like sad and nostalgic. That's why AMC is even doing this. But AMC also did something cool. These were $5 tickets on a Sunday afternoon. That's um, So people were like in to see it, right? And I got to say, this was not advertised as a sing-along experience, but they, the people <laughs> were not they were there to sing along like, and no one was mad. Cause it was, they were very, you know, they stopped, they stopped talking when the, the non singing parts were there and they weren't singing like, a, like intrusively, believe it or not. Like I could hear that they were singing, but it didn't take over the movie. Um, so it just kind of added this like appreciative, like everyone was there because they loved this film. And I, I think that also made me love the film more too, is like being in a room full oh. of people who love something. It's hard to like, not get infected by that, you know? Up, yeah. Um, but that's what I've been consuming. Uh, let's move on to the end. Before we go, we have to check in with each other, get the um, bloody awesome meters out. You know, pump, pump, pump. How are you staying bloody awesome, Matt? What have you been doing? And it's not, not. I don't know if this one qualifies, but let's hear what you got. No, no, it's it's similar to I think yours uh, last week or the week before. But as I've had a couple of weeks off work. I am a creature of habits. I am an organizer generally by uh, life. So being out of routine can sometimes be a bit um, anxiety inducing. What do I do today? Oh, God. But so uh, now I'm back to work, work schmirk, but, um, you know, getting back to that daily routine, back into the grind. Thankfully, I don't mind my job or certainly the people I work with at least as well. So that helps an awful lot. Um, just getting back to the kind of day-to-day habit whilst going back to work can never truly be bloody awesome it is nice to have that um restrict uh, structure to the day mm. though of course i'd much rather spend all day every day with my best buddy my daughter but 
the same time, someone's got to pay those bills and I've got to play a bit of table tennis along the way as well, uh, <laughs> whilst doing lots of work, of course. But um, yeah, just getting back to work, getting back to the normal life after a nice vacation, a nice uh, additional week off, my friend. So whilst it may not sound like the coolest thing in the world, sometimes it is nice just to know what you're doing that day. Get up, go to work, do an honest day, come home and crack on, watch a few films and kind of feel like you've done something a bit more. So back to work schmirk for me, my friend. But what about yourself? <laughs> um, I have been... Uh... Over the summer, I, I kind of focused my workout routine to um, isolated muscle uh, workout. And um, for the, the two, three years that I've been really like focusing on, on being healthy and working out, I had been doing a lot of HIT routines, like you know, um, high intensity, um, high impact. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I'm forgetting what the actual I stand for, but it's circuit training essentially. And <laughs> I hadn't done it in a while. Um, so I decided uh, this week I was going to get back into that routine um, built a, a, a kettlebell routine, you know, the way you, you're going to do, um, like several exercises in a row. Um, I, I think the routine I did yesterday, I did 10 exercises in a row that target different muscles and you do like 10 reps and then you go to the next exercise, you go to the next exercise. When you get to that last one, that's when you get to rest and you rest for like a minute or two and then you do it again. And then you rest for a minute or two and you do it again. And yeah. sometimes that's where you stop. And sometimes you do it one more time, which is what I did yesterday. I did four sets of 10 exercises that hit most of my muscle groups. And I am feeling it today, but in a good way. Like I, I, I feel the soreness that I was expecting. And uh, I, I definitely had the sweat going yesterday. I think it might've yeah. been the sweatiest I've been outside of running. Um, and uh, I had found my, not to get too into like my body and stuff like that, but I found that when I was doing the hit routines, um, even though like I'm not gaining as much muscle cause I'm not doing as much resistance training. It definitely tones my body more and having not done it for about a, uh, I think about a year really when I was doing the hit routine on the regular, um, I feel like I, like some of my shirts are fitting a little tighter. And so I'm hoping that this will start to get me back in that direction. Cause I do, I've still never hit my goal weight. Um, I I've always been 20 pounds away from it. I I'm not willing to do the, uh, the breakneck diets that I was doing when I started everything, mm-hmm. But I lost weight without doing that. Um, I just used it. Right. And so I was so close. And uh, even during COVID, I managed to maintain my weight. And then after COVID, I've gained some back and it's bugging me because I haven't stopped working out. I've, I've consistently been to the gym, but I think maybe I've gotten a little too lax with like snacking and or the big change that I've noticed is the hit routine. So I'm hoping that going back to this, I can get back in that direction. Um, again, I feel like I beat myself up today. So I definitely, uh, I, I see the benefits of it versus just the regular, uh, traditional workouts and it's still doing muscle stuff. So I, I, you know, cause I don't want, I've, I've gained a lot of strength and I don't want to lose that. Um, but I, my plan is to do like two to three hit routines a week, uh, still running at least once a week, if not two times a week. And then, uh, probably do like targeted muscles on the other days, not to give out, like, I know not everyone cares about my workout routine, but I've the last couple of years I've made, working out a, a big part of my life. So uh, it's something that I, I constantly am trying to think about. Um, it's not just about appearance. I also, I want to try to live as long as I can and keeping healthy uh, through exercise is something that I means a lot to me. So that's uh, how I'm saying bloody awesome. I please, I, I've begged you for the last four or five years of this show, please send me some of that discipline. I need it. And that determination, I really want to do what you're doing, but I, just, I always get so far into it and then end up stopping. I don't know what it is, but uh, I will get back into telling the world that my bloody awesome routine is 
exercise as well soon. <laughs> well, we will be back next week uh, with, I think, I have not confirmed, Matt. I hope you have this coming out in theaters near you, but The Invitation is coming uh, yes, out next week. I'm going to see it on the day this episode drops. Ah, wow very cool um i also i guess i will probably see it on that same day as well um i am i'm looking forward to it the trailer's interesting um there's another movie yeah it's an interesting premise there's a movie from a few years ago called the invitation that's real good um Uh, very very different movie oh the tom Uh, hardy lookalike logan marshall green yes yes the logan marshall exactly yes um i really like that movie uh very different in tone and vibe but it was a you know pretty solid like I don't, I don't know if I want to call it a horror movie or a thriller yeah. or what. It, it's Hope something in the thriller, middle. Yeah. Um, but th- we're going to be back with our review of that. It should be in theaters everywhere across the globe on uh, this coming Friday. Um, so when we're recording this, that is the 26th. Um, and so we'll be talking about it next week. Um, in the meantime, though, you can follow us on social media. We are on Instagram at Bloody Awesome Movie Pod. And they can find us on Twitter, right, Matt? Uh, they can do. You can find us at BAMP underscore podcast, B-A-M-P underscore podcast. And, of course, we're still on the Facebook. If you want to search us up there, just search Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. Uh, for me, you can go to BurkeReviews.com and follow me at Burke Reviews on all the social media platforms. Matt, where can they find you? Uh, WhatIWatchTonight.co.uk and all the socials. Just search what I watch Tonight and on Letterboxd as well. And if you like what we're doing here at the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, we ask that you give us that five-star rating on whatever podcast catcher you are using to listen, whether that's Pandora, Spotify, um, Apple Music, or Apple Podcasts, whatever they're calling the podcast section of their division now. Um, Whatever, wherever you're listening, if you just give us that five-star rating, it helps other listeners find the show. So people who are looking for movie podcasts, if we're getting good ratings, we'll pop up higher on that list. And that's all we're looking to do is we just want people to hear our thoughts um, and contribute to our thoughts. So you can Tell us what you think about the movies, about Beast, about The Invitation, about anything we've done so far, or movies that we haven't talked about that you think we should. Maybe there's something Matt and I have missed. We love finding awesome movies. So if you hit us up, tell us something, good chance we might check it out. Uh, And with that, we encourage you to keep watching movies. And stay bloody awesome. Blood, 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 blood,